Buenos dias. Good morning. Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus transformed, transfigured. The Greek word is metamorphose. Uh, metamorphosis. It's like the butterfly changing from a caterpillar to this beautiful thing that flutters around. Uh, it was an amazing event. And God has it in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because it's an important event. I'd like to read, if you have your Bibles open, Mark's account of this, just a parallel account, just so we get a little different flavor. In Mark chapter 9, Luke 9, Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John all wrote their Gospels so that we would know who Jesus is. John was on that mountain, and he starts his Gospel this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the book of Hebrews, the writer remind us, reminds us in the book of Hebrews, in the first chapter, about how God has spoken to us. Long ago, he writes, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. We take time to think about those things or read those things because I want us to remember who Jesus is, who he declared himself to be, who God says he is. And Luke wants us to know what God the Father said about Jesus. This is my son, God the Father said, my chosen one. Listen to him. We're going to think about that today, listening to who Jesus is. Are you convinced yet that Jesus 
is God and Savior. Where, what's your thinking on that? God the Spirit had the gospel writers record this event because, again, he's emphasizing and wants us to know the truth about Jesus Christ. In this event, this transfiguration, there's a connection with the old, with the new. It's a foreshadowing. Things that happened in the Old Testament are now coming true in Jesus' life. And there's things to come that Jesus is gonna, going to accomplish. The Old and New Testament, there's this consistent connection in God's Word between Old and New, and it should really encourage our faith, strengthen our faith. And Moses and Elijah, they're having this conversation with Jesus. It reveals a glorious future about what's waiting for us, for anyone who will believe that Jesus is the Christ. Listen to Jesus. How many voices are trying to get your attention? Well, some of those voices are trying to make you buy their thing because they want your money. Have you noticed in advertisements that no one ever seems to be sad when they have that car or they're drinking this certain beverage or whatever it is? They're just, they're trying to sell you something. And why are they selling you that? Mostly it's about wanting your money. There's other voices that are asking you to join a really good cause. And those are, those are good things like things about justice, a cause for justice or for peace for taking care of the earth. There's all kinds of good messages out there. And others are telling you that you can only be happy, that we can only be happy when we make sure everything goes our way. So many voices. There's so much confusion. So which voice do I listen to? Which voice is true? Which true voice is best? And we never, may never think about it, but we need to take a step back, especially you believers, you followers of Christ, and say, is this voice from heaven or is it from hell? Is this voice from fallen humanity? And, you know, we have a little bit of the image of God, but it's fallen, it's been cursed, and it's mixed up and it's confused. So it's corrupted. So where's this voice? Is it... Am I listening to God the Son speak? God is telling us this morning, listen to my Son. Hear this. There's a parallel experience here. Hear this. Listen to Jesus. Moses is here on this mountain. But there's a throwback, if I can use that word, to Exodus where Moses had a similar experience, chapter 24. Moses is up on the mountain. He's with God, and it says, Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of all the people of Israel. And Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So there's this parallel experience here. Luke tells us that it happened in six days. 
later after Jesus had, had told the disciples, had spoken to the disciples that some of you are going to see the glory of God, the glory of the kingdom of God before they die. So right about the same time frame, Jesus is enveloped in this cloud of glory like Moses. But Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses was just a type, a foreshadowing of the Savior to come. Three times God is going to use his voice at Jesus' baptism. He spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Here in the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and not too much later, and during Jesus' Passion Week in the temple, a lot of people mistook it for the thunder, but God spoke about Jesus being his son in John chapter 12. So why did God do that? Because he wanted to confirm that Jesus is obeying him. He wanted to confirm that Jesus has divine authority. He wanted to make clear that Jesus' mission was here to deliver the world from sin. He wanted you and me to know for sure without certain that Jesus is God, equal with God the Father, and he's also the Savior. So Moses and Elijah connect us with the past and into the future. They're discussing Jesus' death. It's called the departure here in Luke's gospel. So they're talking about Jesus' departure. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is going to die on a cross. He's going to be departed into the grave, and then he's going to rise again, and then he's going to come up to glory and be all he was ever, ever was before he humbled himself and came to earth. Always God, but he lowered himself and became a human being. So he's going to return to glory. They're talking about his glorious passion. Why do they appear with Jesus? Why of all the saints of old do Moses and Elijah get to talk to Jesus and talk about what's coming up in Jerusalem? Why would he do that? Why would this happen? Well, can Moses and Elijah connect the past with the future? Moses led Israel, remember? He was a deliverer by God's hand. Moses led Israel out of captivity. He gave the law to Moses. God delivered his people through Moses. Elijah represents all the prophets. He's a picture of Jesus, too. If you know anything about Elijah's story, he did amazing miracles in the land of Israel like never before, called fire down from heaven. Stopped it from raining for three and a half years by his word. That's power and might with God. But how did Israel treat Elijah? Well, pretty poorly. <laughs> few believed him. Few listened to his word. Well, that's a picture of what Jesus was going to happen to Jesus. He's a type of foreshadowing of what would happen to the Messiah, who did great miracles but was mostly rejected <laughs> by his own people. Elijah, if you turn back to the book of Malachi, is connected with the future. In Malachi chapter 4, we read this, Behold, God is saying this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. There was Elijah. And then there was a, an Elijah-like prophet called John the Baptist who was announcing the Messiah's coming. 
And it's, many of us think that there's going to be another Elijah-like prophet that's going to be in the world preaching the truth about Christ before Jesus returns in all of his glory. So the past is connected with the present here in the Bible in this text to the future. There's something else going on here too, just Bible truths that connect things. Mountains, I call it mountains, clouds, and God's voice. God has this consistent way to work through history, through his history, the way he reveals himself. You ever stare at the clouds and see stuff? Yeah, it's kind of a fun thing to do. Well, clouds are heavenly. Clouds are above the world. Clouds are set apart. Clouds are mystery. And mountaintops and clouds go together. So it was a cloud that led Israel through the wilderness when Moses was leading Israel by God's hand. The cloud led them. The cloud enveloped Mount Sinai when the law was given to Moses, God in his glory in this cloud. The cloud surrounded Jesus in his glory when he was changed and transfigured here in Luke's account in chapter 9. Jesus went up into the clouds in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. He disappeared when he returned to heaven. And it says that Jesus is going to come back with the clouds. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them, those who have died before us, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will always be with the Lord. In Revelation it says, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. You ever see one of those, we call it uh, rapture clouds. When, when there's this hole in the dark clouds and the sun bursts through and there's just the rays of the sun coming down, it's like, whoa. So it's like spectacular. It catches your attention. And that's kind of, kind of be what it's like when Jesus comes in all his glory. He's going to burst through the clouds of darkness, the mystery of the heavens, and they're going to burst out and come to earth. And we're going to see it. Every eye is going to see it. God is always speaking to us. We sang about it this morning. The universe declares his glory. That's taken from Psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth just announces how great God is. And then the Hebrew writer says, but the final word of God has been spoken. Nothing else needs to be said because Jesus is the final word. Are you listening? Are we listening to Jesus? Listen to this warning the Hebrews writer gives us in chapter 3 of his letter. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. And they said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Speaking of those Israelites in the wilderness, 
Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Take warning. Jesus has spoken, is speaking the final word. Listen to my son. Do not turn your heart away from your God. Most of Israel, most of the people of Israel in, in the wilderness failed to hear and follow Jesus, and they died in the wilderness instead of entering the promised land. That's a picture of living in this world and never entering eternity in God's presence and enjoying his glory. Most refused God the Son when Jesus Christ, when he was here, and they were lost, even though they saw his life and his miracles. And when you think about this, we should be praying, Lord, help me not to be foolish and not hear your voice today. Jesus always gives us an invitation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, there's an invitation, but it's an invitation to God's people, to the church. People who claim to be followers of Christ. And Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, is listening to me, and will open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So we need to hear what God is saying. This is my son. He's my chosen one. Listen to him. So think through what God's trying to say to you this morning. What is God saying to you this morning? Think, think through it a little bit. Would you take time to think through it? Because this is God speaking to you, to me, to us, to the world. Listen to my son. The truth about Jesus will help you persevere in life tomorrow, this week. Jesus' glory is awesome. I mean... Like Mark says, no, no laundry person can ever get clothes as white as Jesus looked. <laughs> you know, Tide won't do it. <laughs> or your favorite uh, clothing detergent. Lightning. That's how they described it. He was so bright in his glory, God's light was like lightning. You knew what flash of lightning's like. It's like, whoa. You can't miss it. He's a savior. He's trustworthy. Follow him without fear. Something else for us to think about. Moses and Elijah appeared and were talking with Jesus. Okay, they were having a conversation with Jesus. They weren't ghosts. That's the future glory we have, to stand in Jesus' awesome, glorious presence without fear and to speak with him and he with us. They've been dead a long time, but they weren't dead. In Christ, there is no death. There's only eternal life. And if you have a loved one who loves Christ, then know that they're alive like Moses and Elijah right now. And that's our future too. For I consider that the present sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be real, revealed 
in us. That's an amazing thought. Let that encourage you. Let this moment of Jesus' transfiguration that's recorded here build up your trust in him. Allow this event to cause you to persevere and be involved in kingdom work more than ever because the time is short. And anyone can have this future guaranteed if they believe in Christ. So glory is just ahead. So listen to Jesus Christ, my beloved son, the chosen one. Listen to him. We need to respond correctly. Luke repeats this truth about Jesus. And, and in Luke chapter 9, there's this chiasm. It, it's just a structure. And, and if you have your Bibles open in Luke 9, you can see it in, in verse 20. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? So we have the identity of who Jesus is. Peter gave the answer. God helped him understand it. He said, but who, who am I, Peter? Who, who do people say that I am? But who do you say that I am? You are the Christ of God, Peter answered. Verse 20, we have our identify who Jesus is. And then Jesus talked about his passion right after that in verse 22. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. And then he talks about his glory. Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory in the glory of the father. And then you'll notice the structure in verse 29, he talks about glory. And as he was praying, Jesus on the mountain, always praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. Here he is, a little bit of his glory, a lot of his glory, leaking out. And then he talks about his passion with Elijah and Moses. And they appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, about his passion. And then look at verse 35. Again, we know who Jesus is. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. God identified who Jesus is. So there's just this wonderful structure in the Gospels, and we often miss it in our English Bibles, but it's there. The structure to help us remember who is Jesus and why should we listen to him. It's a central truth for the world to hear, to know, to believe, and to respond properly. Peter eventually got it. In Acts chapter 4, he said this, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yeah, listen to Jesus. And John got it too. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, much the, so much must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They got it eventually. They understood. They were listening. Something else happens here in Luke's gospel. Wrong ideas are corrected. Have any wrong ideas about who Jesus is? Let the word of God, the life of Christ, the gospels, Old Testament, New Testament, let it speak to us so that we hear and understand who Jesus really is. Listen to my son. If you're a parent, 
listen to Jesus. If you're a neighbor, you need to listen to Jesus to learn how to live with your neighbors. If you're an employer or an employee or a teenager or a kid, old or young, it doesn't matter. Know Jesus and listen to him. Lead others to him. Voices. We talked about it earlier. Voices that want your attention. Who are you listening to? The world and the crowds were missing the truth about Jesus. Remember Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve? Do you know that story in the Garden of Eden? They had paradise. And then the snake came, the serpent, Satan. And what did he say? They were listening to the wrong voice. And they got in trouble, got us in trouble. What about Psalm 2? The rulers of the world, what do they say? Let's, let's cast off God's rules and law. We'll, we don't want anything to do with his anointed one, his chosen one. We'll go our own way. They were listening to the wrong voice. In Romans chapter 1, read Romans chapter 1 sometime very soon if you haven't read it recently, and you should be terrified about our world. Let me read just a few verses. The world's listening to the wrong voices. In Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. Give me a second to gather myself here. There it is. <laughs> For what can be known about God is plain, because God has shown it to them, that is the world. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly declared ever since the creation of the world and all things that have been made. So they, that is the world, are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal men, birds, animals, and creeping things. And I was going to stop there, but I'm going to go on. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty, penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done, and they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And it goes on to list all our unrighteousness. What voice are we listening to? Peter, James, and John were up on that mountain, and Jesus was praying. And what were they doing? They were sleeping. And sleeping in the Bible 
It's generally used to indicate that they were not understanding what was going on. They were, well, you, I don't know, when I wake up in the morning, don't talk to me for a while. I won't be hearing you because I'm not awake, even though I might be functioning. They were asleep. Isaiah tells us to rise, you know, like wake up and shine because the light has come. <laughs> and Jesus says, I'm coming back like a thief, so be awake, be alert, don't be asleep. Stay awake. They were dull. They weren't getting it. Peter wanted to build three shelters, three tents, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. What was wrong with that? Well, number one, Moses and Elijah can't have a tent next to Jesus' tent. <laughs> He's above all. He's God. There's no one like him, so you can't make them equals. Second thing that was wrong with that is G Peter wanted to, like, stay up in the mountain. He wanted to remember this great event. It was, must have been an amazing event. He wanted to, like, immortalize it. He wanted to build a monument to this event. But he didn't understand that Jesus wasn't going to stay up in the mountain. Jesus' glory had to go through the cross, so he had to come down the mountain and go to Jerusalem. He was missing the truth that Jesus had to die for sin. Yeah, Jesus is glorious, but you can't stay up on the mountain in the glory when there's work to do, God's will to be done down in the valley. Only Jesus can truly satisfy. But like Peter, too often our ideas about Jesus are shallow. People really get upset when we say we believe that Jesus is the only way to God in heaven. People are really bothered by that. Most prefer a hall of fame of great religious leaders and Jesus is one among many. But there's only one person, Daryl Bach said this, not Matt Peter. <laughs> there's only one person who's worthy to be in God's religious hall of fame. It's Jesus Christ. There's no other Savior. There's no one else who can enter heaven's temple by their own shed blood and be received in a worthy manner and sit down at the right hand of God. There's no other religious leader that has died and been able to cover all the sins of all the world that have ever been committed through the centuries and centuries of hate and war and evil it's covered by Jesus Christ. He's the only one worthy to sit down at the Father's right hand. He's the only one worthy to open up the seven seals at the end of time when God's judgment is going to come on this world. He's the only one who deserves that praise and honor. So why is the world filled with so much evil and unfairness and wars and turmoil. Why are our children being shot in school? Yeah, it's more than the guns, but it's also the guns. We don't know what to do. Why is there so much of that and so little happiness, so many, so little peace? Why is there 
no satisfaction. Because we're not listening to the one who came to rescue us, to give us peace. We're listening to the liar who said, you won't die. Go ahead and eat the fruit. You'll be like God. He's withholding. Instead of listening to the creator who created us in his image, who made us male and female with perfect design and purpose, we're listening to lies. And, and let's be honest, we like the lie sometimes, don't we? We love to ignore God's voice when it's inconvenient. We trust in our earthbound views. <laughs> How many centuries, millennium, have you, has humanity been trying to figure it out? And yet we keep repeating it and ignoring God's voice. Know this, God is not a hard master. He's all-powerful and all-knowing and all-holy, and yet he's kind and compassionate and does not treat us as our sins deserve. There's no one else, no other God, small g, who will take suffering and separation from God the Father for our sins in order to deliver us. It's only Jesus Christ. So don't be fooled. The prince of darkness is leading us to destruction, not to life. If we ignore Jesus' voice, then we will reap the fruit of the flesh. Want to do a comparison study? Look at Galatians chapter 5. You know it. What's the fruit of the world? The flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. sorcery. But I, I love the rest of this stuff. You know, those are the easy sins to point out. But enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Those who do practice them will not inherit the kingdom of God. So who's going to rescue me from all those evil desires that I have? If it's not that sin, it's this one. God's spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the difference. Ignore Jesus' voice. And that's what we reap. That's what we sow and reap. So listen to God's voice. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Do you have any wrong ideas? Do you want to start having those wrong ideas corrected? Change for something better? Something a little more nobler? Something a little more pure? something that will help more than hurt, then hear what Jesus says. Believe God's word. Before we take communion together today, I want to close with this thought. 
one day people are going to see Jesus in all his glory. <laughs> and what's really amazing is we're going to look pretty glorious too. Dazzling white. Not because of anything we've done, but because of all that Christ has done if we put our belief our need for forgiveness, we entrust ourselves to him. Do you ever wish you could see Jesus in all his glory? Wish you would have been on this mountain just to, like, been the fly in the wall just to see what it was like? Well, I wonder what Moses and Elijah look like. But what does Peter say about that experience? Listen to what Peter writes about that experience. Second Peter chapter 1. In verse 16, he says this. We don't want you, we want, for we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we make known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, he's talking about the cloud experience that he had on the mountain. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Here's what he's saying. I had this amazing experience, but it came and it went. You have something more sure. You have the word of Christ written down. Believe it. Faith is a must. You must believe, but it's not blind faith. Know Christ. Hear his voice. Find true life and follow him. So we celebrate communion today to remember Jesus Christ, to commit ourselves to the one and only Son of God, we come to him asking him to save us and to turn our hearts toward him so when we fall and fall, fail and falter, he will forgive us. We turn away from what's evil. We ask him to help us turn to what's holy and good. I ask you this question before we take communion. Have you entrusted your life and future to the one and only? Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you today, to use your word to help us to see your glory so we will surrender our lives fully to you. Lord, as we remember your life and death, your burial and resurrection on our behalf today, begin to mold and change us so we begin to discern and only listen to the true voice that comes from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be so in every heart here today. And we ask this for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen.